Ladies and gentlemen, this is former NWA champion Tim Storm. You are listening to Big's Tag. Don't miss this. This is the real deal. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Mixed Tag. It's your man, Jared Watson, here alongside Tanae Purnell and the wrestling encyclopedia, Keith White. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm so good. All good in this hood. Tanae, how about you? Man, it's all good in the neighborhood. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing. I feel pretty good today. Yeah, we're all feeling pretty good, guys. You know, we want to talk about Becky Lynch. We want to talk about Roberto Del Rio. But I think we're going to have to wait on that till next week because we want to focus on NWA power. We've been watching for the past couple of months, and it's just something we we haven't really talked about that much on the show. But Keith, kind of give us a, a brief overview of what NWA power is and what it's doing right now. So NWA Power is a weekly TV series that's held on YouTube, and it starts at 6.05 p.m. on Tuesdays. And what that is, that's a nod to the old TBS Superstation uh, back when they were first showing NWA and all wrestling. They did it at 6.05. Um, and so that's kind of a throwback and, and just a, a, a tip of the cap to how it used to be for wrestling. But the NWA actually started in 1948. They had their first champion. And for the longest time, okay, they were pretty much the WWE of wrestling. In fact, the company now known as WWE used to be a member of the NWA. So every, just about every promotion that was worth anything used to have ties to it. It kind of, it binded everybody together. And once the WWF and Vince McMahon kind of, you know, took over the wrestling world, they held on for a long time and then they kind of went away. Uh, Ted Turner bought uh, the last big promotion and turned it into WCW. Uh, but the NWA title has remained. And so it's been a big fixture in the world of wrestling uh, for years and years and years. And they've had some highs and they've had some lows, uh, but they actually just recently came back into prominence because former Smashing Pumpkins lead singer Billy Corgan actually purchased the NWA once he left Impact Wrestling, and he has brought it back to prominence. They started with this 10 Pounds of Gold web series. It's really good. It's about, uh, I think, six minutes is the average runtime for each episode. And they kind of let you know about different people in the NWA organization. Their current champion is Nick Aldis, who you might remember as Magnus from TNA Impact. But they've got this really cool show, NWA Power. It's unique because it's the only wrestling show you can find that's held in a studio audience just like they used to do in the 70s with their wrestling um, 70s and early 80s and so it's also done with no music the promos are unscripted and everything is very raw and real so what you're getting is you're getting that old school feel that's still fresh and they have a lot of mixture of former wwe guys impact tna guys different indie wrestlers and up and comers so i just I, we love the program uh jared and i started watching it we got tanae on board they also had one of the coolest theme songs that that was stuck in my head all last year into the fire with Dokken. and it's just it's neat it's a good way to kind of you know revisit something but also make it fresh and new for a new audience so nwa is uh is very cool and we like it a lot and we're excited today because jared what do you want to announce to our listeners today Right. Like we went over earlier, NWA has some great superstars on the roster. Nick Aldis, you got James Storm, Eli Drake, Trevor Murdoch. And guys, we have a surprise for you. Today, the listeners, we have a surprise. We have a former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion with us on the show. And that man's name 
is Tim Storm. Woo! So we're going to—I know. Isn't that exciting? We, we, yeah. we didn't make this public. We didn't announce this uh, before the show aired. We wanted this to be a true surprise. So here we go. Our interview with Tim Storm right now. Hey, Tim. So, okay, first of all, I got to say, we hope Mama Storm had a happy, happy, happy Mother's Day because, you know, Mother's Day just passed. We hope everything was great for her. But what? But to me, what I found hilarious <laughs> is the fact you got your 95-year-old mom to go on NWA Power. You know, it's a, it's a weird deal. My mom is 95. Physically, as far as, you know, for a 95-year-old, she's in really good health. But I have tried to realistically work out trying to get her there and, you know, for real. And it's just not logistically possible physically for her. You know, it wears her out. She's, she's very independent, still same house that I grew up in. And, you know, going to the grocery store and back, which is probably a five minute drive, absolutely wears her out. So, you know, for the logistically to get her an hour to the airport, a three hour flight, an hour from Atlanta airport to, you know, that's a day that she just can't physically handle that. But yeah, she's, she's a wonderful lady. She doesn't understand why she doesn't feel as good as she did 30 years ago. She honestly is like, I just don't have any energy. I don't know what's wrong with me. Well, you're 95, mom. I don't know. What to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. That's what happens. Tim, without buttering you up, I got to tell you, she does not look 95. I saw pictures and, and listen, I'm about to say the same thing. Yeah, she is. She is amazing. Uh, and I'm, that's, you know, I'm sure we all love our moms and would say positive things, but you know, I talked to her every day. I talked to her a little bit ago and she cracks me up, uh, you know, as well, as you, okay, you guys know this, I'm sure, but as, as people advance in age, they actually become more childlike in a lot of ways. And she was telling me again today, you know, I just, this whole, I, I can't see it's getting any better. I just need to get out of the house and do something. And I said, well, mom, what would you do? Cause you know, I mean, and truthfully, she doesn't do anything anyway. Right. So she said, well, I'd go to the grocery store. I, you know, I'd go to the pharmacy, but You've, you know, that's the only two things you do in a month, but I just need to get out of the house. So it's challenge, but yeah, she's, she's something special. That's amazing. Well, tell you, well, tell her we all said hi. Tell her we okay, all said hi. I will do that. But um, to get to your career, cause you are amazing. Listen, oh, thank you. you like, you're like, I don't like, this is like a little, you know, us new age terms. Your career is stupid. Listen, <laughs> you are like you. You remind me so much of like Rocky Balboa. You had oh, like the late okay. start. You you work hard. You do all those extra nights. Like to me, you're and I know for a fact your training has to be crazy. So I for one, I just gotta compliment you on that because to handle a wrestling career, it's like it's like you're in a car crash every night. Like you're literally getting you're getting hit real hard. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. You, let me tell you just a, a weird, funny story because you you touched on something there. With matter of fact, it was the the weekend that I lost the world championship to Nick Aldis a couple of years ago, and we we flew into uh, Philadelphia or we flew into New York and went to Philadelphia, and there we did some one of the ten pounds of gold episodes is filmed on those steps. There's pictures in front of the Rocky statue. Okay, so all that's going on and. I'm getting my picture made in front of this, you know, the Rocky, you know, the Rocky statue. And this lady says, excuse me, sir, are you Sylvester Stallone? And, no, <laughs> I mean, and, and my mind, my mind just went, you know, split two different directions. It's like on the one hand, 
wow, you're you think I'm Rocky? You think I'm Rambo? On the other hand, I'm thinking, so you think I'm a 70 year old short Italian guy? I mean, I, I, mean <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I didn't know which way to go with that. But it, yeah, it's but thank you so much. I Rocky is uh, I won't say he's a, a an idol, but I've cut promos using that, and I think that's a, that's. That's that's a compliment. Thank you. No problem. And the reason why I had um I had brought it up is because well I I have family members who are also who also went to the pros. They didn't wrestle, but they were in the NFL. My my uh I don't know why I call him uncle. He's really my cousin. I guess because he's like a little older than me. My cousin loved it. He played for the Patriots, and my cousin C J Davis. He played for the Bears. And even though I was really really young, I know my um my cousin loved it. He stopped playing because he caught a lot of injuries early early on. He started in like ninety. 798 I want to say and he ended in 2003 so I was just three years old when he was literally just ending so it's like I can't imagine and I know them because love it he's like 40 something ish I want to say around now so I can't even imagine him trying to get back into the NFL going back and you know getting hit every single night and always being on the road doing different doing different things and like, so it's like for, to see you, you are really an inspiration, like to tell, to keep people, to keep on going. If you got that dream, you got to keep going for it. So it's like, I was wondering, what is your training like? Because I noticed when you wrestle, you handle all the different styles and you can handle whatever anybody throws at you. So did you go to a wrestling school or did you just pick it up just like that? I was very, I guess, fortunate the way it worked out for me. I, I, st- I didn't start training until I was 30-ish, 30, 31. And I went to, a, I grew up in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And there was a, a wrestling school about two hours away. And that's where I trained. It was in Paris, Arkansas. But the guy who trained there was as old school as you could possibly imagine. He And I'm not, this sounds like one of those, this, this is a good story. It's true. He sat in a lawn, this is how he trained. He sat in a lawn chair in the corner of the ring with a two by four on his lap. And that's how he trained you. And what he taught was, Here's how you break somebody's arm. Now, here's how you get to the, the edge of not breaking, you know, of, of the hole without actually breaking it. And a lot of our training was legit. You know, we called it rolling, but getting on the mat and just grappling. Then when I moved to Dallas about four or five years later, I started helping train a group of guys, a group called the Christian Wrestling Federation. And the guy who was, turns out, was really doing the training and I was just helping was the exact opposite. He was... The psychology was not his strength. He was all about lucha style, Japanese style. So I got a little bit of both trainings, and that's really benefited me over the years. You know, from from a training perspective. Now, all and now it's it's more about um, just trying to get my body physically ready to be able to handle those those poundings, and that's the that's a challenge. Right. And Tim, you know, Keith and I have been watching NWA Power, and we watched it for the first time a couple months ago, and we love how it's a bit of old school but yet it's fresh compared to some things going on today. So I want to get your opinion. Is it easier to connect with a studio audience or other crowds? And what's the secret to getting over without just buttering up an audience? I think that, okay, first of all, this is what you see. What you see for me in front of that audience is the same thing that I would do anywhere, right? I think that people, it, it can be learned, but there are also some people are natural connectors or communicators. I just, I was so fortunate that when, when I stepped out there and, and the way it works, NWA is not like any other wrestling organization. It's, we were told up front, we had an all talent meeting and William Patrick Corrigan, Billy stood up there and he said, here's the way it is. It's, you know, no music. 
when you walk through the curtain, it's only 20 foot to the ring. Why would we play music for that four seconds to get you to the ring? If you're handed a mic, this is sink or swim. You're either going to make it or you're not going to make it based on your, your ability to connect with the audience. I didn't, I felt no stress in that situation at all. I, I like, I'm, I think I'm a decent communicator. I like to do that. The stress was the week before I had gotten a, a text from Dave Lagana that said, Hey, be thinking about it. You've got about a minute, minute and a half promo before your world title match. Didn't bother me. My, what, what, what the issue for me was, can I get my heart and my message across in a minute, minute and a half? Right. So I'm standing at the curtain prior to, you know, the main event, episode one, big buildup, the crowd, you know, the crowd is the, the crowd there at, uh, at GPB studios is just, it's part of the show now. It's like, they're so into everything and I'm walking or I'm standing at gorilla position going, how am I going to do this in a, in a minute? How am I going to do this in 90 seconds? And Billy walks up and says, don't worry about the time. Do what you do. We have full confidence in you. Go say what you want to say. And I, the, the, the weight was just lifted off my shoulder. So now I can go out there. But nobody was more surprised than me at, at that connection. You know, and if it's the right place, right time, you know, it's, it's everybody was like, well, where have you been for 20 years? I've been doing this exact same thing for 20 years. It's just not, a, you know, uh, you said old school style. That's just, that's me. So what you, again, what you see up there, I may tell a story and I may, I may add a detail, uh, but what you see up there is, is real life. That's, and that's, that's what I do. Right. And you know what? We've heard you tell audiences that holding the NWA world's title was your mountaintop. So can you describe the moment you won the title and how did the organization decide that you were the right man for the honor? Okay. And just because of the timing, this is to me even more interesting. Uh, the man that I beat for the NWA world's title is the man that I wrestled last night on NWA power. Right. Who, who by uh, the way, as huge as anything, he is gigantic. Oh, he's, a, he is legitimately a monster. I mean, it's, you know, his, one of his, one of his monikers that was, was Godzilla, you know, and he is, he, his, his reign as NWA champion, m mine and his were completely different. He went in and destroyed people. That's what he does. And he's good at it. And if you watched the match last night, I mean, it, that's probably the, I don't know, 15th, 20th time that he and I have wrestled and we beat the crap out of each other every single time and look forward to the next one because that's both of our, that's our wheelhouse, right? Get me in there with a technical guy and I'll, I'll do my best, hold my own, but get me in there with a brawler and we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to go at it. So winning the NWA title because of my love and my passion for the, for the business, you know, one of the, I, I got three different wrestling programs growing up in Pine Bluff on a Saturday, right? Three different locate, three different promotions, three different sections of the company, of, of the country. But for me, Georgia Championship Wrestling was that was wrestling to me, right? I mean, and, and everybody it depends on where you grow up and what. But that's the one that I connected with. It was, it was uh, the Four Horsemen, it was Hawk and Animal, it was Mister Wrestling One and Two, it was you know uh, one of my uh, Arn Anderson, the Four Horsemen. Arn Anderson was just somebody that I thought I want. That's I want. That's who I want to be like. To me, it was the best of the best of the best. So when I got an opportunity, I started working with the NWA. I didn't. I, I never even dreamed of winning the NWA World Title because I my dreams weren't that high, right? A lot of people. The night I won it, I beat Jax Dane, who I consider a friend. Uh, the referee was a guy named James Beard, who I completely is one of my best friends. He's the, he's the, by the way, just put my friend over. He's the only referee in history to wrestle or to uh, referee in every major promotion in the United States and Japan. 
I do this every time. Yeah, I do this, I do this, I, and I, he kills me for this. He legitimately, literally wrote the book of wrestling for Japan. He lived in the dojo. He took every American wrestling term, wrote it down. They put it in book form. And then that's how they learned the name of the moves in the dojos in Japan. So, okay. So those are two of my guys that I, that I love and uh, would love to be in the ring with. And a lot of people, the night I won it, and by the way, not, not that this didn't hurt me at all. James was the uh, director of personnel for the old NWA. So, I mean, having that person's friend probably helps a lot, but uh, the night that I won it, it legitimately was my mountaintop. And I've had people say, oh no, if New York called you or whatever, you'd go, or that would be bigger. Truthfully, no, I'm not saying I would, I'm not saying I never wanted that opportunity, but because of my history and, and loving the NWA, the night that I won it, it from a wrestling perspective, I mean, you know, I, I've got kids, you know, I'm married, all, all those kind of things are great things. It's not bigger than those. But from a wrestling perspective, winning the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship at my home promotion, in front of my home crowd and with two of the guys that I, that I'm friends with and love in the ring just doesn't get, doesn't get any better. And there were some, I didn't, I never thought about this, but a couple of weeks after I won it, I read somewhere in one of the wrestling magazines that a lot of people looked at it as uh, this was Tim's gold watch. It was his pat on the back for a good long career. And now he it's time to hang it up and they're rewarding him. You know, and that, that's what four or five, four or five years ago. So I guess I'm still waiting on that gold watch, but it's, it, you know, it, legitimately my mountaintop nothing could be okay winning it again we'll see if that ever happens winning again we'll see if it tops it but nothing can top the first one that's awesome man so when billy corgan and dave lagana brought the nwa to youtube with the 10 pounds of gold series we met you we met tim storm and you had already been a champ for a while and the nwa world's champion has always been a traveling champion so where were some places you got to go and were there any that stood out to you personally the way the old system under the, the former ownership was set up is you paid X amount of dollars a year to be an NWA franchise. And then there were certain things you had to meet, requirements you had to meet to be a part of that, stay a part of the organization. And they didn't enforce this one all the time, but ideally, here's what should happen. Under your contract, you use your the NWA World's Champion at least one time during that one-year period. And then you could use any other two champions you know, light heavyweight, women's tags, you know, it, that, that was the requirement. So ideally in a perfect world, uh, that means I would be guaranteed 40 plus bookings a year if I just, if there were 40 franchises, that that was the idea. So I traveled all over the United States, defended the title in a lot of places. You know, one of the biggest, I don't know, moments for me as an NWA world champion in the, let's, let's, let's clarify and draw that line prior to the new ownership group because it's, you know, it's a different world uh, was defending it in Japan uh, because the, the, the way that the Japanese wrestling fans look at the NWA world championship is completely different than a lot of Americans did, especially at that time. And maybe even do now it is revered. And, you know, every major eighties and nineties world champion defended it in Japan in front of big crowds. And, you know, when I, when I got there, they, they, you know, no, 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 you, you know, I'm not going to imitate you. You come, you come out to this music. They played the, they had, they had a song that the NWA world champion always came out to. I was very set in my mind when I got there and I was, I mean, I trained hard for it. Uh, I wrestled a guy that was a legit former sumo wrestler, MMA. He was over 500 pounds. He was, a, he was huge um, and could move, but I thought, okay, American coming in against a Japanese star 
they're going to hate me. They're going to, I'm, I'm going to be booed out of the building. And my music played. I walked out of the curtain and the entire arena starts chanting NWA, NWA. And I'm like, okay, all right. This is completely different. Their respect and the way they honor the NWA world's title is, is amazing. Tim, real quick, is it true in Japan that they do like the clap, like the polite clapping and they, and they make, they make like that, oh, you know, like the, like it's, it's a very structured uh, cheering, correct? It, it, historically, that has been the case. But I think what we're seeing with New Japan, uh, at, they have, they have started working a more American style, which means as that has started to happen, a lot of the fans are now more American style fans. So, um, for me, it was a mix. You know, this is probably four or five years ago, and I'm, I'm sure they had already started that transition over. Uh, we always joked about it watching old Japanese tapes. It was, you know, the golf clap, you know, the very polite, uh, but that was a major reaction. Well, you know, this is a fact. It used to be that the fans considered it an honor if one of the Jap if one of the American wrestlers hurt them in the crowd. Uh, look back look back at the old stuff, and you see Bruiser Brody punching people, you know, they get in his way fans on the way of the ring you see him swinging a chain over his head and if you didn't get out of the way you got hit and nobody sued anybody watch watch old stan hansen stuff go into the ring right that's changed too i mean now you can't you know you can't do you just can't do that uh you they're they're still more active uh the the golf clap is kind of gone now they they re, they watch so much american wrestling like we used to watch japanese wrestling they're more americanized but yes that was very true all right and you know for we're going to be talking about a little bit about the current product of power so what is your favorite part of being on the show? Wow. Uh, it's, it's just being a part of it. Uh, and okay. You, I don't know if you follow any of my stuff, you're going to see I, what you see is what you get. Right. So I don't have anything. It's just, I know when the 10 pounds of gold series first aired, I guess at that point I wanted, I was 51. I lost it when I was 53. Um, I read somewhere that somebody wrote that, uh, yeah, you know, I can't believe the NWA has a 53-year-old world champion. Uh, yeah, he's he, he's getting a lot of attention now, but talk to me in a month and let's see if he's still relevant, right? Neither here nor there whether that's true, but that was a statement that was made. So, made this, so the, the thing to me is, well, now I'm 56, and, you know, in the big picture of wrestling, I'm probably not, I'm just a, you know, a dot on the, on the radar, but how many 51-year-old, 52-year-old, 56-year-old professional wrestlers get an opportunity to step into the limelight and be a part of what is becoming, a, you know, a, a, it's, the NWA is coming back to where it should have been the whole time, you know, and that's the best part is, is being a part of it. Those guys could have done anything they wanted, right? I didn't have to be a part of this. They could have done it with whoever they wanted to. Um, I think I've earned some of that, but they had to trust me to do it, and they continue continually put me in situations that I, I have to step up and I have to perform and I have to do the right thing. But every time I do, I'm rewarded because, you know, I mean, just think about it. The first episode of NWA power or, or however many hours there are, it, it went, when it went on, we were hoping that, you know, people would like it and like the product and all those kind of things. But within, I don't know, a week and a half, there were a, a half a million views on, on a new pl on a platform, which there was a question about whether the platform would even work, right? And, you know, being on the YouTube as a primary and then and then Fight TV and those others as a secondary at the time, nobody, we didn't know what kind of reaction that would get. Half a million views, that's, you know, to be 55 at the time, to be 55, to be in the main event on the new promotions, uh, you know, as far as it's TV viewing, in a studio 
where my heart just exploded because of it looked just like the studio stuff that I watched in Atlanta. Uh, it just, I, I don't want to gush too late. I, it, it just keeps getting better, right? I can't wait to see what's next. Yeah, we, uh, we can't wait either because to be very honest, to be transparent, like on this show, we were, we're all WWE fans, but in a way right now, we're not the biggest WWE fans. We are really enjoying in the last year. We've, we love like AEW, uh, NWA, Major League Wrestling, Ring of Honor. And so to me, it's cool to see not only NWA, you know, being its own entity, but the fact that NWA can also go back and work with different companies. I, I love the fact, you know, seeing Ring of Honor come in. I was also very impressed that, you know, Ring of Honor came in and and lost matches. You know, I think I saw somewhere where Billy Corgan said he's not going to do anything that's not mutually beneficial for every company. So it also immediately kind of gives you guys legitimacy, you know, by having people come in and, and not win right away we're fans so my question for you i want to take you back a little bit uh since we've talked about the current situation i want to ask you about three different matches from your career the first one is i got to see it on 10 pounds of gold where you mentioned that your first opponent i believe ever was uh butch reed first tv opponent so um and you said that he beat the crap out of you i was curious did he do that like on a welcome to the, welcome to TV rookie type deal, or did he do it just because he was not having the best day? Oh man, there's an answer to this. I want to be really careful how I say it. Um, I had trained. I had probably I had a handful of matches at that point, and the guy who trained me was in in part of the production of Harley Race's promotion, which I think at the time was Major League or Major Legion Wrestling. I can't remember which one was first. So for me, as as a 32 year old rookie. And a huge Harley Race fan. It, it was just that locker room was was special, and that I'm gonna I, I got to be careful how I say this, and I mean this because I'm I'm a good person. I don't want to say anything that Harley said. Who's got Butch tonight? And I said I do, sir, Mister Race, sir. And he called me over. I was doing a cow. I was doing a cowboy gimmick, and he goes, um, "All right, he'll take care of you. Uh, he'll beat you with the bulldog. You might want to watch him." And I won't finish the rest of that statement because it's a little. It, it, I don't want to bring Butch's character into, but um, he was questionable that night, and he took. Now he was safe. He took care of me. He didn't do anything, you know, to damage me. And to to his credit, my knee popped out of place with about thirty. Well, during I don't know how far into the match, I was having knee problems already, and I said my knee just popped, and I. This is how professional he was. I was on my back with looking at the lights within three seconds and it was over because he knew knee popped limited. Let's get out of here. Uh, but yeah, he absolutely beat the snot out of me, but that's, I mean, Hey, he is a legit bad man. Right. I mean, in that, a good way, uh, pro professional athlete, you know, for fun, he, he was a, what rodeo guy that, uh, was a bull bulldogger. Right. I mean, that's a bad man. And, you know, I thanked him afterwards for the opportunity and, and I learned from it. Well, and that's cool. And I'm glad that he took care of you because I, I was, you know, worried that it was a, like a bullying situation. But from what you're saying, it was more of a, you know, this is what we do. And, you know, sometimes you work a little stiff, but at least he took care of you. So we're going to transition to another bad man. This one, uh, former All-American and UFC champion, and you got the chance to uh, wrestle against him, Dan Severn. I got to say that when I was growing up and I saw the UFC and I saw him with the belt, and then I was like, wait a second, I recognize the other belt. I thought it was amazing to me. It, it like legit, like, you know, gave some legitimacy to the NWA championship. I was like, wow, this guy who's beating guys up 
you know, in the octagon is also saying, hey, this belt matters too. I thought that was so cool. So like, what was your experience? Did like, how did, how did that match? Obviously you didn't win it, but how, how did that match go? Did he take care of you or was he also pretty, you know, was he rough or is it a different way? It, it's different. Uh, my friends in the business would tell you that you could stiff me, Tim, you could stiff Tim Storm and he won't know it because that's just the way I'm made. I, I tell people up front, you need to bring it, right? That, that's why Jackson and I kill each other. We understand. It's, you know, we, we bring it. So if Dan was stiff, I didn't know it. Um, I was professionally, from a wrestling standpoint, completely unprepared for, for that uh, and that situation. Uh, I'd been in the business. I got thrown in pretty quick because I was a big boy, right? And, and there's always a place. There's a there's a place, especially old school professional wrestling for big guys. I look. I'm not sure I could watch that match right now because it. I did. It was not a good match. I probably wasn't ready for it. Um, I did my best in that situation. The crowd seemed to like it, but you know, in the big picture of would that be one that I would show in a training video? Absolutely not. Unless it was a do not do these things. Right. Uh, and I know that was at a point where, you know, wrestling business is full of guys that want that opportunity that looked at me in that situation. And I think we're like, okay, he's not ready for this. And you can tell, right. And they were right. Right. I mean, it's, but he, you know, I remember that was the first now, now since then I've wrestled him half a dozen times and they've all been better. Right. But in the part of his deal, when he came in as NWA champion, he wanted opportunities to speak to kids. He wanted to be able to, he was open to going to uh, training facilities for karate and, and jujitsu and teach. That, that was part of his agreement. And I remember reading the article going, okay, this is, you know, I, I know, obviously I know who he is. Uh, I've read all about him, but in the article, it talked about some of his fights. And I, the one that got my attention was, and I can't, I'm going to get, I'm going to get the number wrong, but he was talking about one of his MMA fights where he got the guy down, uh, and headbutted him 132 times until he passed out. And then that was a tournament. So he took, I took some Excedrin to get ready for the next match, right? So I'm like, yeah, I'm really not ready for, for this. This is, a, <laughs> this is beyond my capabilities. Not my will, not my desire, but it's beyond my capabilities. I understand that. I mean, and that's one of those people too. You realize, you know, what he what he was doing in the other realm, where you're just happy to be in there, and you're happy that you know it's it's the wrestling ring and not the octagon. You know, <laughs> two different situations. Yeah, yeah. He's here's what I have. Boy, here's here's old man wisdom for you. Hang on, here it comes. Uh, people in in real life that are bad men don't have to tell you they don't have right, to show you right, all the time. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I'm saving this. You may hear this on an NWA promo sometime if you ever get the opportunity. Because I, I bank this stuff. I read a meme one time that said uh, the lion doesn't have to tell anybody that he's yes. a lion. Everybody, everybody knows. Yes. Right. Well, that's that was Dan Sever. Dan Sever didn't have to tell you how bad he was. You know what a bad man he was. He just was, and you knew it. If you do us a favor, whenever you use that promo on NWA Power, can you say, "Like <laughs> I was telling my friends over at Mixed Tag Podcast," and just and just okay. lead with that? <laughs> I, I I will not promise. I will not promise that. <laughs> I'll see what I can do. How about that for a teacher? Oh, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll take that into consideration for future. Uh, that's events, a fantastic so. answer. Um, my my next and final match I want to walk you through because we're curious. When you wrestled in ECW 2.0 against Big Daddy V, we're just wondering. Did your life flash before your eyes? Because we've heard some stories about <laughs> to walk us through that, if you don't mind. Here's the funny thing. 
I'm so, I'm sorry that I can't give a, a, a quick answer on anything. I okay. At this point, I'm probably, I don't know, 45, 46 years old. I had lost a little bit of weight. I was debating how much longer I wanted to do it. If you've ever seen it, that was Fu Manchu, uh, long hair, 280-pound, right, wearing a singlet. I had wrestled, well, as a matter of fact, on the same TV tapings that I wrestled Butch Reed. Toward the end of the night, Harley came over, and he said, uh, King Mabel— has had two handicap matches. We want to put him in a, in a singles match to end the night. We want to add that match as the main event of the first TV taping. Can you do that? Um, you don't say no. It doesn't matter how bad your knee hurts. You don't say no because that's an opportunity. And we did it. Uh, the finish of that match, his name, Nelson, said to me, you know, for, I went over respectfully and said, I, you know, whatever you want to do, we'll, we'll do. And, and he goes, okay, cowboy, let me get through these first two matches and I'll come talk to you. He came and talked to me, um, and he said, say, cowboy, you take a cross body off the second rope? And I said, yes, sir, I'll take whatever you want. So King Mabel finished the match at, what, 560 pounds with a cross body off the second rope. And at the time, I was probably 280. I wasn't 300. Uh, and we bent the center beam in the middle of the ring. And so when I got to – and I, that's the first time that I had I – had, been in a match with him and, and it probably went 10 minutes, which is, you know, phenomenal. Um, especially when you're that young and that, that inexperienced and he took, you know, it was a great, it was a good match. So I show up as, as extra talent. And I guess that I can't, I think for some reason, I want to say that that was a live TV taping at the time. And Dave Lagana has since come back and said, I had to have been the guy that was booking that angle and didn't know you at all. Right. I go up and we start talking about the match and, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, which is keep my mouth shut. Yes, uh, Barry Wyndham was our agent, and I'm again big Four Horsemen fan, so I'm just keeping my mouth shut. Yes, sir, whatever you say, I'll you know. And while we're standing at, at Gorilla getting ready to go out, I went, you know, I know you don't remember me. I uh, said, and I'm kind of probably getting close to the end of my you know wrestling career. I'm I'm, I'm starting to debate those things. I said, so it's kind of nice to go full circle. Um, I understand where we're at. I understand what we're doing. And he was at the beginning of the Big Daddy V major monster push. And I said, I know where you're at. Don't worry about me. Bring it. Do what you need to do. Get yourself over and I'll be fine. Uh, and boy, did he. Uh, you know, I tell people all the time, it's not one that I, again, it's 46 seconds of me just getting my butt kicked. Uh, I think I came out of that with, I got one punch in, which he completely no-sold. Uh, they probably didn't even feel it. Uh, dislocated my shoulder, uh, did a lot of things. And again, you know, in this business, you're thankful for opportunities. And he thanked, he thanked me and I shook his hand and um, that led to other opportunities because they said, I look like I belong there. I mean, it was a good, it was a good experience. That's what you do. Uh, yeah. But I always tell people, yeah, I'm not, I, I don't, I always say, don't go back and watch that one. I, it's not, <laughs> that one was not fun. It was not fun to watch. Um, but again, in wrestling, you try to put yourself in positions to, to get opportunities. That's all I was doing. It kind of reminds me of, uh, I think it was the first episode of Power. You know, Jim Cornette was really putting you over on commentary, uh, you know. And yeah, I think I think at one point he may have uh, declared you, I think, tougher than a, a Waffle House steak or something. Like, you know, <laughs> um, I want to keep it on, on NWA Power for a minute um, because I'm, I'm a huge, uh, Jared and Tineno, like I'm a big like belt guy. I love, I love like the history of belts. I love the way belts look. I love the 10 pounds of gold, mm -hmm. you know, and we're hoping 
that you can get the chance to get that back uh, before you, you hang it up. But I was also curious, you mentioned Arn Anderson earlier, and to me, he's synonymous with the TV title. I think the TV title is one of the coolest looking belts there ever was. Could you see yourself, you know, as a TV champion on NWA Power? I, I think you'd represent it well. You know, what are your thoughts? What are your what are your thoughts going moving forward with power? Well, when I... When I when when NWA Power started that you know that the very first episode was me against Nick and the the stipulation was I will give you this one shot but if you lose you never get another shot and and a lot of people are like well you're good at pretending to have emotion no that was real emotion right I mean it, it was if if that's my mountaintop and it is and I don't get another shot at that that's real emotion I don't have to channel anything I don't it's, you know, it's not a method actor I'm I'm feeling real emotion um, and coming out of that my thought was I don't think I'll be happy holding any other title uh, I went you know but. But as it, as NWA Power progressed, and you know they they introduced they had I, I held the prior to the me holding the world title I held the North American title which in 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 the hierarchy of the NWA old belts that was number two that was kind of the the one that put you in position well that and that's not that's not a part of the, the show right now um, so I, as it, as the show started to progress and I started to rethink things the truth is I'd be happy to hold any title that has the the name and the letters NWA on it to represent the brand that I love in any way with or without a title around my waist is an honor. So to hold any title, TV, uh, national tag, all of that, that's, that's a, that means that you have been selected as somebody that they want to represent the company. And that's an honor. Yeah, I would do it. I would take any, I would, I would happily, happily represent them in any way they want I was telling Jared earlier, you know, because you mentioned the representation and the the people, the roster that you have. I was telling Jared, I would love to see uh, a situation where it's you and Eli Drake, who's another one of my favorites. I think he's fantastic. Uh, you and Eli Drake, little fantasy booking for me right now, is uh, a, a best of five or a best of seven for the TV title like they did with Chris Benoit and Booker T back in the day with WCW. I just think that'd be really cool, you know, personally. I would love to do that. Like so many in our locker room, he is he is so talented, athletically with the mic. Uh, he's a he's a gifted guy. His his motor runs at a very very high speed all the time in the ring, which would be a challenge because I'm more you know I'm very calculated and it would be it would be a fun uh, you know kind of a combination to see what we but but anytime I could get in there with somebody like like that, that with that kind of talent would be fantastic. I would love, I, I would love, and he and I get along great as far as, you know, as a person, he's, you know, he's, he's helped me with some, uh, well, specifically with some flight issues I had uh, after one of the tapings where I, he knew I was in the ring and he knew I had to make a flight. And he, you know, a lot of guys wouldn't do that. He started, he, he got me basically fixed and ready to go so I could leave the ring, grab my bag and walk out the door so I could make my flight. Great guy. I'd love to. He, he seems like he's great, and uh, we enjoy him just as a performer. And you, you just mentioned uh, the travel situation. So, you know, we had talked uh, before we started the show, but you mentioned in 10 Pounds Ago, you're a teacher. You know, I, I'm also a teacher as well, so I know that we have our situations with, you know, school breaks and stuff like that. But how do you balance How do you balance being a teacher and then still, you know, especially working on NWA Power? Like, how are you... How are you doing that transition? And uh, and of course, we want to know like what do your students think about about you being a wrestler? The the balance is not easy at all. Uh, now the weekly grind is not a it's not that big a deal to me. I mean, it's what and again, the, again, we have to draw another line, right? All that's shut down now. It's it's a whole different world. But my normal world was you know at school by whatever seven thirty. 
School's out at 3.30. I'm not supposed to leave till 4. If I leave at 4, I'm in the gym by 4.30. I'm at the gym from 4.30 to 6. You know, all those kind of, that's not, that's a daily grind that's just doable. The challenge comes with like what you're saying. Um, the balance is tough. You know, I get five personal days a year. And anything over that, I'm not supposed to use, right? So I very selectively use those to, because a lot of the TV tapings, if it's a Friday, Saturday, or a, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm in good shape. Uh, I may get there late on Friday. If it's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday, okay, I've used one of my days if I can, if I'm allowed, you know, allowed to take it. But kind of the agreement that I have with NWA is they understand contractually uh, that I have two, you know, two two things that I'm committed to, and their commitment is you're valuable. You bring something that you know to the NWA, and you're 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 a part of us, an important part. We'll work with you. So a lot of that, and that gets tricky sometimes. I'm not gonna lie, you know. I may take a uh, Sunday night, eleven to two, ten thirty or eleven o'clock flight out of Atlanta, which will get me home to Dallas at you know two thirty or three in the morning to be back at work at seven thirty Monday morning, or or in in some cases, and this just drives me nuts because I don't want to miss either one, or I may have to miss a TV taping, you know, one episode. T- one, you know, if we do three, if we do two nights of TV tapings, and it's either three episodes a night or or four episodes a night. If I miss a night, I'm not missing a night. I'm missing three TV tapings, right? That means three weeks that I'm not, that that's for somebody who loves wrestling and wants to be a part of it. That boy, that's a tough pill to swallow. So, but they work with me and there's been a lot of nights where they'll say, okay, we'll have you on episode, you know, taping of four, we'll have you on five, get out the door. You're gone during six. Let's try to get you on that flight. And there's been some times when I've been pushing it. I had a gate. I almost did a job to a gate change one night where they changed a gate, and I'm barely making it already. And then I find out, okay, wait, they changed. The, I've got to go another. What, you know? Anyway, but it, you do you do what you got to do. That's just the way it is. If you're passionate, if you love it, you just got to do it. Definitely, and, and you know, Tim, you gave some really great in depth answers. But now we're going to take you into a little bit of a rapid fire round. We do our own mixed tag. So, are you ready to go? Let's go. All right, Tim Storm, welcome to the Ten Count. All right, first question, In-N-Out or Whataburger? Oh, uh, Whataburger. Favorite post-match meal? Uh, steak anytime. What was the best promo of all time that you've heard? Dusty Rhodes, Hard Times. Wrestler and AEW that you would like to match up with? So many talented guys. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the easy way out. I've wrestled uh, Lance Archer 50 times, and he's another guy that we just, one of us is going to bleed before it's over with. Um, he, I, we, I'll routinely get something from him saying, it's time to bleed together. So it's time, I want to do that one again. Awesome. Favorite type of music? You're going to laugh at me. Uh, I'm a hardcore rap guy. Go, yes. my brother. Come yes. on, man. Yes. Uh, I knew um, it. I'm old school. I'm old school. Tupac, yeah. Eminem, yeah. Pity Sam. I'm, I'm sorry. No, I just ruined. I just ruined the the, the Tim Storm. No, <laughs> no, no. True story. We are here for true it. True story. 110. percent Oh my god, I love this. Okay, who's the better singer, Tim Storm or Billy Corgan? Uh, it, it, Billy Corgan, without a doubt, I shocked Billy uh, on a on a thing the other day the other day when I, they had no idea that I used to sing uh, and I said I made a, I made a singing analogy and I said Billy with you on here it kind of takes it away right uh, Billy's Billy's 
super talent, uh, and mine left about 15 or 20 years ago from screaming in the ring, so. <laughs> I don't believe it. You probably still got uh, it. All right. Uh, your favorite town to wrestle in? Now it's Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, man, it, that's that has become home. That's amazing. By the way, I got a fangirl. I love your eyes. I'm sorry. I just had to say it. I had to say it. That's not a fangirl. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank Mama Mama Storm for that. That is Um, true. true. That is true. So our next one, um, we haven't seen Tiger King, just so you know, but we are aware that you, we're like the three people who have not seen Tiger King yet, but we're aware that you have the connection. So, and we also know that uh, Nicolas Cage is signed on to play Joe Exotic on a TV series. So we want to know what actor plays Tim Storm. Gerard Butler. I like that. I like that. Hey, very nice. Yes. <laughs> and no, I saw that. I saw that somewhere, and I was like, "No, I saw that discussion at some point somewhere." And I was like, and "There was a bunch of different suggestions other than myself being all right." So, what am I doing right now? I'm recording, mm-hmm. but that one I went, "Ooh, I like that. That's a that's a good choice." That is good. That is good. Um, next up, should WWE have an off season to allow wrestlers to recover? WWE should have, with the resources they've got should have a roster deep enough that they can rotate guys so that they get the break that we need physically uh, without an off season. But as it stands right now, it's just, again, I'm that old school guy. If you show up for work and you work hard and you work through the pain, uh, a lot of guys, a lot of people don't like that, but that's the way I brought, I was brought into the business. Last up here, who is on your wrestling Mount Rushmore? Okay. I'm going to pretend like I'm thinking about this. Uh, Dusty Rhodes, Harley Race, um, Shawn Michaels, which always surprises people a little bit. And the fourth one is the tough one. Um, Bruiser Brody. That's a, that's my brand. I mean, I, I'm all about varying styles. And, you know, what you just saw was one of the toughest men on the planet, one of the best promo guys on the planet, one of the most overall best workers on the planet and a man who understood the business of professional wrestling and made it work because he was just that bad. That, yes, definitely. And Tim, Tim, we did our own Mount Rushmore's last week and we, we were debating, we were debating with each week. Yep. And uh, I had Shawn Michaels on my list. These guys didn't. So at least we have something in common there. It's okay. It, that's one of my least, okay, I would love to take part of that, by the way, one of my least favorite wordy questions is who's the best worker of all time who's the best wrestler of all time because in my mind in my mind you have to have categories and you know so what do you you're saying the best promo guy you're saying the best in-ring talent are you saying the best brawler are you saying the best draw Shawn michaels did all of those things right so that's why i put him there that was great tim we can't thank you enough thank you so much for being here with us today thanks tim thank you guys i enjoyed it you guys are wonderful that was an awesome interview right there tim storm former NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. But guys, we want to finish the show out with our weekly trivia question. So last week's question was, who won the first ever Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans? Was it A, Cesaro, B, Big Show, C, Braun Strowman, or D, Bray Wyatt? If you guessed A, Cesaro, you would be correct. And we have to give a huge shout-out to Tyler Green, who answered this week's question correctly by emailing us 
at mixtagshow at gmail.com. Tyler, this is your shout out. We hope you enjoy. We hope you're listening right now and enjoy uh, hearing your name on air with us. Um, and now we're going to get to this week's question. Which superstar made his debut by attacking WWE Hall of Famer Ric Flair the night after WrestleMania 22 in 2006, while also being introduced by his manager, Armando Alejandro Estrada? Was it A, Matt Stryker, B, Finley, C, Paul Burchill, or D, Umaga? If you want to answer and have your name shout out on, on the air, you got to email us at mixtagshow at gmail.com. You could have the chance to get your name shout out just like Tyler did this week. So please give us your answer and we will shout you out. But guys, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Mixed Tag. If you like what you heard, please, please, please feel free to share and follow us on all of our social medias, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We love you guys so much for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Again, thank you to Tim Storm for coming on the show and giving us an awesome interview. This has been Mixed Tag. From me, Jared Watson, and Tanae Purnell and Keith White, we thank you very much. We're out.